This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Banks Europe. I'm Francesca Liberti, and as usual, I'm going to be your host for today's episode, which is going to be quite interesting, actually, because it's a sneak peek of one um, very nice event that is going to happen in Zurich in the coming June, precisely from the 26th of the tw- and the 28th of June. And I'm talking about the Point Zero Forum. So for the ones that are not really familiar with the event, we are going to give you a full overview of uh, what to expect. But of course, also the rest of you that that have already quite some knowledge of Point Zero Forum will discover, I'm sure, new things and uh, in general what these guys are cooking up for for us uh, uh, to make us uh, enjoying also this uh, this new edition of the event. And for the ones of you that are joining us uh, through video, you also can see that, as usual, I'm not alone. So let me introduce you my guest for today. Very happy to have here Pat Patel, uh, the Executive Director at Elevandi. Hello, Pat. Really nice to have you here. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And also Christoph Baumann, the Envoy for Sustainable Finance at the State Secretariat for International Finance in Switzerland. Hello, Christoph. Really nice to have you here. Hi, Francesca. Great to be here. Thanks. And you have also the longest job title ever. You know that. (laughs) So we start very well. All right. Welcome, guys. And thanks a lot for joining us. So as I was saying before, the aim of this episode is to give our audience a sort of sneak peek of what is going to happen during the Point Zero Forum in Zurich. So I would really like to start from the basics and ask you, Pat, to go first and tell us what Point Zero Forum is and what do you expect to 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 get out of this event? Thank you. And um you know, there's lots of events around the world, uh, lots of fintech gatherings, uh, quite heavily commercial in nature. But when we were, were thinking about Point Zero, uh, we wanted to create something different. And so we looked across multiple markets. We looked about, you know, what is the need in the industry right now? And everything started to coalesce around the requirement for policymaking and technologists to come together. And so that is the heart and soul of what Point Zero is. It's a policy tech dialogue. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, okay, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense, but do you have any more kind of proof points in, in why this is a need? And one of the things I frequently say is, um, if you think about the Web2 movement, um, in and around kind of 2006, seven and eight, you know, when it started to come through, um, the Web2 movement was the, the fruits of three foundational technologies coming together. And so that was um, um, mobile, social and cloud. And so when those three kind of technologies, um, foundational changes came together, 
that's when you had organizations such as Airbnb, Uber, the whole wave of kind of social media companies come along. And as that sector kind of grew, it kind of went on its own without really any um, input from policymakers or regulators or governments in, in the early years. And so as we're beginning to see right now, we're seeing some challenges emerging, particularly with that Web2 kind of movement. And so from our perspective, you know, there is a big need as, as the world embarks upon a Web3 world, and we're probably in and around the Web 2.5 space now, there is a strong need for policymakers and regulators and governments to be closer to some of these changes that are happening. And so when we started to think about point zero, we started to think that there is a strong need for a policy tech dialogue, in particular around you know, digital assets being one, um, artificial intelligence, but also any other technologies that, that start to come down the line. And that's how we see the future of um, and, and and you know the event that's coming up um, as uh, as being really important to bring policymakers, regulators together to bring technologists and corporate leaders so there can be an active dialogue. And so the focus for this year is is obviously around digital assets and in particular around institutional digital assets. Then we have a piece around the applications of artificial intelligence. Everyone's heard, you know, the hype around generative AI. Um, I don't think it's going away. Um, there is a lot more movement happening, even though there seems like a little bit of a lull right now. But, you know, we're excited to say that there'll be a number of kind of governments um, announcing projects uh, during the Point Zero Forum. And so these will be public-private sector projects which seek to kind of bridge that gap and, and, and look to see, well, how can we develop these technologies in a responsible and effective manner? And, and then, you know, for us, it's very important to cover sustainability. And, and for us, it's around, you know, how can we leverage technology to solve some of the challenges we're seeing around sustainability and particularly around a low carbon future. So that's kind of the framing in terms of a, a content perspective. And last year it was our inaugural uh, Point Zero Forum. And, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but um, it, it went fantastically well and it brought the right people together. But importantly, there was the right dialogue. So you have your main stage content, but you also have these round tables that are kind of two hours in length and you have the right experts discussing and debating specific topic areas, and they lead to kind of white papers, focus groups, but also help shape um, potentially, you know, uh, policy-making choices. And so, you know, there was a, a key bit here is that by bringing public and private sectors together, you know, there's two things that we want to achieve from this. You know, one is the public sector to really think about some of the policy choices that are going to happen over the one to three year time horizon. But then also conversely, on the private sector side, you know, to hopefully shape some of the product and strategic choices on particular, you know, services that are looking to be delivered. And if you have that kind of bridge between the public and private sector, you can kind of create new opportunities that are in sync with both parties. And so that's how we feel that it's a unique offering in the marketplace. And to my knowledge, there's very few of these types of activities um, in Europe, certainly, but, but probably the, the rest of the world. Um, so, so we're quite kind of proud about having this unique positioning for 4.0 for And uh, we're super excited about you know, what's going to be delivered. And clearly, I'll share a bit more later.
Yeah, definitely. And and you mentioned the bridge between uh, the public and the private sector. Uh, and as you said, uh, it's not very frequent to see um, uh, this kind of bridge tackled into an event, especially because many times you have events that talking just for the sake of talk. I can say that. So it's really like... Uh, uh, in this case, uh, I experience also quite a um, deep dive into specific problems and specific solutions, which is not, uh, which is not something that we can see around a lot. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see also this edition of of the forum. Um, Christoph, we said that. This is an event that comes out of the collaboration between Elevandi, of course, but also um, the State Secretariat for International uh, Finance. Uh, so could you tell us how this collaboration started and why Zurich and why do you think this kind of event is uh, it's, it's going to be so crucial for your community? Um, thanks a lot. So uh, a lot of what I wanted to say is actually already covered by, as eloquently by uh, by Pat. Um, as mentioned by him, we, we did the first iteration last year and it was really to us a crucial endeavor or goal to bring these various uh, stakeholders together and it's not as intuitive as make scenes i mean I make uh, as as one might uh, think because you have a room where you have central bank governors you have uh, reg heads of regulators you have ceos of financial institutions and then you have the ceos of the startups in the Quite same room cookies, I would and, say. <laughs> and that's just it it seems very um it seems very random but it makes complete sense because especially in these topics pat mentioned such as digital assets um ai and sustainable finance or sustainable fintech, so much regulatory movement is going on, so much dynamics is going on. So it's really key to have the policymakers be informed by the technology firms, but as well as the technology firms being informed with what the dynamics are on the policy side. And it's been such a fruitful endeavor last year that it's just key for us to continue with uh, with this. And I must say, I was really uh, so positively surprised last year by this closed setting, because it's really you you walk through the rooms and each person you meet is highly relevant C level um, type of person and just makes every discussion you have um, meaningful and relevant to your personal work and I see this as a policymaker at fantastic discussions with especially with uh, various fintechs, but I also see it for fintechs and I think for fintech as well it's a great opportunity to also get in touch with the capital side uh, which especially in the current market environment is much more um, challenging as a couple of years. Years, um, before. So it's also a great opportunity on that side, I would say. It's really a unique combination, uh, which I believe, especially for these three topics, the three um, um, priorities we set this year again, um, is absolutely crucial. Great, thank you. Sorry to steal your thunder, uh, Christoph, um, in my, my first answer there. But, yeah. but just sorry, Francesco, just to echo that, I think, you know, one of the, the beautiful things was serendipity and that you could have, you know, a, a governor from a central bank, you could have um, a, a corporate CEO from a large institution, you could have a founder and an investor all having a conversation. And, and so there was a, a particular place at the Point Zero Forum where um, it was kind of the main walkway where there were so many interesting conversations. And, and one of the things I, I like to do, and by the way, I'm not a big fan of events, even though I, I'm involved in a lot of events. Um, the, one of the most beautiful things was kind of walking around and, and just overhearing, you know, just kind of sensing what, what the vibe is, the types of conversations that were happening. And and that's the thing that I, I, I find um, that is really inspiring to, to get different people from all walks of life coming together 
to have an interesting discussion or a debate. And, and it wasn't just from Europe. You know, we had uh, quite a, a big audience from, from Asia come across, as well as the US. And then you get that cross-pollination of, of views and opinions, and, and that's where the magic really, really happens. So uh, I just wanted to kind of echo that, Christoph, because I think it's a, a really important point, especially with such a small audience, because, you know, we cap it deliberately at a 1,000 people. Yeah. And the reason for that is we feel that for a 1,000 people, you can have that serendipity. You can have those conversations. You can seek out individuals that you want to kind of um, either pitch to or, or even just uh, connect with. And that, that that's what I think is the real magic of uh, the point zero forward. And if yeah. I may just jump on that as oh, well, yeah. apologies yeah. for that. Um, as somebody who's who's um, um, annually at the, the climate conferences, which around the negotiation part resemble more and more trade fair. I wanted to echo what Pat said also. I think that's one of the key benefits of the point zero form. It's not a trade fair. It's very action oriented. So you have both in the, we try um, that both the events are as action oriented as they can be, um, and the panel discussions, the roundtables and the workshops, but also this, these bilateral meetings. And it's, it's um, you basically see just the hallway, the central hallway is just entire day packed. And that's just a very, very good sign that we got the right um, audience uh, into the room. Yeah, definitely. Also, because at the end of the day, these people are actually the one that could make the change happen. So it's uh, it's important that they cross-contaminate each other also, because if you think about regulation, it's really like specific uh, on um, uh, topics and countries specifically. And, and, and it's important, I, I think, that, uh, um, you know, they are going to be able to cross-contaminate each other and, and understand the different perspective that they are living in in the different countries. Um, so, Pat, you mentioned quite uh, um, some uh, interesting topics uh, that you're going to cover during the 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 event uh topics that are actually quite uh, um hype right now and also uh, that 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 brings with them quite some some problems so you also mentioned the uh, the ai so i'm italian and uh, as you probably know we have the um uh, chat gpt banned for privacy reasons so it's it's uh, it's also all these uh, interesting topics uh, that comes with innovation comes also with regulatory problematics and so on. Um, so could you give us a general overview of uh, these three main pillars that you are going to uh, discuss during the forum? So you mentioned, if I'm not wrong, digital assets, sustainability and AI. And uh, maybe uh, if you could give our audience your overview from your experience of what you are seeing this trend going and where are you seeing this trend going and uh, um, maybe also some innovation that you are seeing, particularly working right now in this uh, in these fields. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one of the topics we introduced quite recently uh, was around um, governance and risk, risk management because... Yeah. You know, what we've seen this year in particular is a number of companies that have struggled um, to manage risk, to to manage their governance. And so this was a, a recent addition to, in, in addition to the topics, and I'll, I'll come on to those. But, but we feel that there are a number of businesses around the world of all shapes and sizes that are operating uh, risk management frameworks that were fit for purpose yesterday and the day before yesterday. 
but not necessarily in sync with today and tomorrow and the day after. And so there'll be a number of conversations um, specifically focused around what does uh, an effective risk management kind of um, framework look like in today's world? How does it keep you kind of resilient for tomorrow and the day after? And so we see that as being uh, a part of uh, uh, an individual kind of series of conversations. Uh, so that will flow through some of the main stage, some of the workshops, but also some of the roundtables that we're running. But I, my sense is it will kind of flow through into most areas of the dialogue that we'll start to see. And so that's kind of something that's quite important to cover. And, and I think there is an important piece between the public and the private sectors coming together on that. In particular, the private sector is starting to drive this because it has such you know a big a big implication the the second area you know the second piece is around the technologies um, that we're looking to cover and for us you know we thought long and hard with with our colleagues at CIF you know how should we be framing um artificial intelligence you know should we be covering generative AI you know what strands of this is such a nebulous topic area and so what we're doing this year is trying to ground it in the here and now with one eye on you know a year to two years down the line but but the focus is on the here and now and so practical applications so you'll see a number of companies and um, unfortunately they're making announcements so i can't actually share what they're going <laughs> to yes, be of course, talking yeah. about i would never but, ask but, it <laughs> um uh, well they'll come looking for me I, I think they'll probably listen to this conversation right now um so i'll, I'll, I'll keep it quiet <laughs> but but yeah so it, it, you know there'll be a number of organizations um, largely from kind of the smaller guys talking about you know propositions that are tangible that you know can solve some of the back office challenges that um, banks potentially financial institutions but the broader industry are, are kind of looking to solve but also that channel to the customer and that's more around the generative ai piece and so we'll see um, good examples of that the second area is digital assets which uh, clearly has gone through an extremely tough um kind of 12 months mm. and so the bit that we're focusing here is going to be quite heavily on stable coins and cbdc's but also there is a debate that's been emerging for a little while now between tokenized deposits and stable coins and you know how should that net out so there'll be a lot of conversations there and i think the important part as i keep kind of referring to is is a public private dialogue there and i think you know that's going to be quite an interesting one and then you know amongst all of the challenges that world the world's seeing we can't leave sustainability it can't be the second or the third or the fourth priority because you know, a lot of businesses um, are evaluating things slightly differently now than they were a few years ago. And so, you know, we're going to keep pushing uh, the narrative and, and you know, what's required to solve some of the challenges we're seeing on sustainability. And, and Christophe will be able to share a little bit more yeah. about that. But in particular is how do we leverage the technologies and the tools that we currently have? And so there is a suite of sessions that um, I, I, I really like that we've put together where we're looking at the nexus between a few topics and technologies so the nexus between digital assets and sustainability the nexus between kind of digital assets and AI and then clearly the, the nexus between AI and sustainability so it starts to couple these together because if we start to use these technologies you know maybe we can start to move from proxy data to real world data and that would start to be quite quite a bit of a game changer. So that's kind of one thing I want to kind of say. And, and then the last piece, um, without monopolizing this, this this podcast, is um, you know what makes us quite different is the fact that a number of central banks and governments 
will be talking about the projects that they're working on. And I think this is where it kind of sets um, point zero apart from other activities. And so, you know, the MAS is working closely with um, the Japan kind of financial services authority. And so they'll be leading uh, a series of discussions in particular roundtables around um, a project called Project Guardian. And that's focused quite heavily around tokenization of real world assets and de decentralized finance. Then we have um, the BIS and, and the Bank of England leading um, a topic around uh, Project Meriden, which is around the coordination of settlements and, and central bank money. We also have the Swiss National Bank and the Bank of France and uh, the BIS leading a discussion around uh, the infamous kind of Project Mariana. And so that's kind of around, um, you know, a cross-border exchange of, of Swiss francs, euros and Singapore dollars. Um, so that's kind of, you know, more anchored around wholesale CBDCs. And then we have, you know, a number of other projects that will be released. So you'll have to kind of stay tuned as they start to kind of get, get, get announced. And when I say released, it's more sharing an update of what's going on and how the industry can really get behind this as well. So that's something um, I'm really stoked about. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of value with with you know the public sector sharing and being open and, and sharing you know some of these interesting projects that hopefully will have the you know the opportunity to change the way financial services is currently delivered today. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Pat. And uh, you, you mentioned quite a lot of uh, uh, interesting sessions um, and, and, and uh, quite a rich program. So I, I'm sure we're in, in the next uh, in the next weeks we are also going to see much more coming. Um, and following this uh, um, fil rouge of the topics that Pat was uh, um, was explaining us, I would like to to focus a little bit more on the sustainability uh, side, um, because as Pat uh, you were saying before, um, it's a sort of uh, um, cross topic, let's say, because it shouldn't be only one theme, but be more connected also with all the other um, uh, technology sessions, for example. And I also see quite an interesting push coming from, for example, from the consumers in, in having what we call the sustainable finance projects. Um, Christoph, you are the, the expert here on, on, on this field. So I would like you to uh, give our audience an overview of uh, um, how sustainable finance has developed during this year and uh, um, what we can expect uh, uh, in the coming years. Absolutely, very happy to. And uh, I want to conclude with the message that sustainable finance or sustainable fintech is now a dominant part of sustainable finance and for multiple reasons. So, so you would have, um, especially when it comes to climate and nature, you have huge pushes over the last year to promote disclosures of corporates. So to make data more readily available from corporates, but also from the natural habitats so that it can be leveraged for, for um, um, sustainability services towards corporates again, towards financial institutions. And this uh, quality of these data sets are becoming better and better over time. And they're becoming better on the one hand because of uh, sustainable fintechs and, and tech companies. Um, assessing the satellite imagery, assessing remote um, imagery, and making sense of all that data with machine learning, with AI, to really process that huge amount of data from corporates and beyond to, to really build their services. On the other hand, this availability of data is just 
a perfect ground for fintechs uh, for for startups itself to build their services upon and to then sell these services towards corporates of financial institutions that now more and more have regulatory um, demands and to to comply with these regulatory demands. So I think they. The fintechs, they have a role on both sides, both to make the data available more easily and at the same time to use the data that's available to produce services used by by uh, corporates and financial institutions. So it's becoming a um, data and the processing of data is becoming a central part of sustainable finance, which naturally makes sustainable fintech become a, a central part of sustainable finance as well. I think that is going to be the focus as well from um, at uh, this year's Point Zero Forum. We, for instance, have one main stage event where it's all about um, the availability of climate data globally, um, how we can get current um, projects that are on the way, both in, in Asia and um, uh, globally and in Europe. How can we connect them, make these data sets openly available without IP free of charge to really let innovation um, uh, do its role, which is absolutely key for, for achieving the net zero transition in, in this case. Uh, so this is one of the central events we have at the Point Zero Forum, where we will also make various announcements around this uh, event. Nice, great, great to hear. And uh, so you both mentioned um, uh, some roundtables uh, uh, going on and other formats, and I'm quite familiar also with the um, uh, the some some elevandi special sessions. Uh, one being also CMPD, so the Capital Meets Policy Dialogue, um, and I think it's interesting for our audience part also to uh, double click a little bit on this because I think it's something that it's not so common to see around in events. So I would like, uh, if you'd like, of course, uh, uh, you to um, to give uh, to explain us what CMPD is, and uh, give us a little bit of an overview of uh, of what do you expect to to cover in that session. No, it's a it's a very good question, and you know the, the genesis of this is um, you know in the early years in Singapore, so between 2016 um, when the festival, in particular the Singapore FinTech Festival, started. So between 2016 and 2018, 2019, we used to run a lot of matchmaking activities between investors of all shapes and sizes and startups. And then over time, it became very apparent that the investors knew all of the startups. There was no need for any matchmaking. There was no need for any catalyst. And so we started to think long and hard about, you know, what do we do next? You know, and so we spoke to a number of investors, so family offices, VCs, sovereign wealth funds, LPs, and, and we started to really understand the needs. And, you know, one thing that came across, you know, um, resoundingly was that, you know, uh, there was a strong desire and need to understand different policy roadmaps in different jurisdictions. And so if investors, um, understand what that one to three years, three to five year policy roadmap starts to look like and what's in the, the minds of some of these um, policymakers and regulators, then that would inform their investment thesis, uh, which in turn would inform the capital deployment choices that they're likely to make over the coming years. And so that's the genesis of the Capital Meets Policy Dialogue. We ran the first one in Singapore um, last year uh, to, to, to a huge success. And so we felt that this is something we could start to roll out across different jurisdictions and bring different voices together from the policy and regulatory side, but 
but also from from the investor side and and this year you know we're, we're super excited to have it quite heavily focused around europe there will be a global nuance to it but it will be quite heavily anchored around europe and will bring together a room full of investors and as i mentioned family offices there will be um, sovereign wealth funds there there'll also be vcs and, and lps and then there'll be you know quite a few policymakers and regulators because conversely they want to understand you know what investors are thinking as well because if we're gonna you know move forward certainly with sustainability there's going to be a strong requirement for some of these organizations to help fund that transition and so there will be an interesting dynamic going on. You know, we'll be covering tech elements, but also uh, sustainability related. And, and we have a, a few big names um, that are going to be coming in, probably one of the most highest profile CEOs. Unfortunately, uh, from a financial institution, I can't talk about it right now. But um, as soon as it's uh, announced, I'm going to tag you and breaking banks in, in Please the, do. Uh, yeah. the LinkedIn post. Uh, I need to make sure that we can square it away from the powers that be at the moment so we can share that. And then we have uh, a number of regulators. So Adriana Harris is going to be there. So one of the highest profile the, um, regulators from, from the US, in particular on the digital asset side. And then we have a number of panels as well. So it's quite a short program. But what it will do is frame what's going on from the public sector side the private sector side, and then there'll be uh, some networking and opportunities for both communities to meet. So it's quite kind of targeted at that investor and policymaker um, kind of segment. Yeah, and it's a great link, I think, because what many people always forget is that access to capital, uh, of course, comes from the private sector, from all the VC and so on, but has to be linked uh, um, with policymakers and uh, uh, and all things uh, um, and the regulation side of the of the matter. Definitely. So thanks a lot for, for another great, I'm sure, CMPD. Um, we are going to queue for a very short break and we will be back in less than one minute. The FTS Group builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners, and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will truly improve people's lives. Learn more on ftsgroup.eu. And we are back at Breaking Banks Europe together with Pat and Christoph uh, talking about uh, um, the Point Zero Forum in Zurich, which again, it's going to be held at the end of June, uh, 26 to 28th of, of June in, in Zurich, as I said. Um, so one thing that we were discussing before were all these different formats that are going to be covered during the uh, during the event. And one of the things that I was also familiar with, uh, and I, I know that I, they are of incredible value, are the, the roundtables that you are organizing, guys. Um, and one of them particularly uh, caught my attention, and I would really like to ask you, uh, Christoph, to, to, to double-click a little bit on that. And it's the one called the Green Fintech Ecosystem. Could you tell us a little bit, what do you exactly mean with this term and uh, um, which role are, are fintech companies playing when we talk about uh, green fintech indeed? 
thanks a lot. So the green fintech ecosystem is is an i or is an idea we came up with uh, two or three years ago and identifying the need to really get to know all the relevant stakeholders that make a green fintech uh, flourish from the start or even before the start getting the university students and other potential founders interested in the field of green fintech knowing what potential use cases are then getting the uh, the incubators interested in topic of green fintech getting the the uh, the vcs uh, ready and have a competence on that getting the universities to research focus on that and obviously the financial institutions uh, as potential um, um, customers of these fintechs or uh, the wider public. So what we did is over the years really bring these key stakeholders together um, as part of a network um, uh, founded by the Swiss State Secretary for International Finance. And this roundtable really reflects these um, network members uh, where we really discuss what are the various use cases green fintechs have, be it um, as mentioned to, to make um, data readily available, be it to help um, um, satisfy regulatory demands, be it um, on the rating side um, of things. So there are various use cases which we really want to delve into. And we want to have an actionable discussion of what is the role, what 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 can the various stakeholders do to to make the life of green fintechs easier. So on the one hand, what can I as a state, what can we as policymakers do to uh, improve the business environment, the framework conditions? Um, one a concrete example I can give you is that in the recent regulation to make climate disclosures mandatory across the economy, we made sure to, to demand an, uh, a reporting in electronic harmonized format, such as XPRL, because we know that green fintechs then have much easier time to, to, um, to use that data and to process that data. So it's really making sure that the very stakeholders that have a certain lever, that they know about the needs from green fintechs so that they can really take this into account when they do their actual work, in my case, the policy work. And that's the main use case of the of this um, roundtable is really to create this awareness and to find ways how each of us can really still improve um, on ourselves. Great. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a, an interesting one. Um, Pat, I would like now a little bit to uh, zoom out from the conference for, for one second, uh, because we touch upon a lot of uh, um, uh, different topics that are quite uh, quite hot right now. Uh, and I know that you have quite a, a extensive experience working in different geographies. Um, so, as we know now, you are um, running uh, Elevandi, which is based in Singapore, and it's kind of uh, um, uh, an extension of uh, the Monetary Authority of Singapore uh, that we can definitely define one of the best in class when we talk about a flourish fintech ecosystem. But you have also worked quite a lot in Europe. I actually met you the first time when you were uh, the, the mind behind another the content of another great, great uh, event in Europe. Um, so I would like to use, let's say, your your privileged position and knowing so many different geographies and the, the, the innovation in, in so many different geography to understand your point of view on two things. So one, which are the the, the, uh, the differentiator factors that you have seen in the different place you have worked in, and which are, uh, in your opinion, uh, the key factors that make uh, an ecosystem a successful one, as for example, the Singapore one? Sure, no, it's, a, it's a very good question. And 
Every time I hear extensive experience, uh, all I hear is old. Um, no so thankfully, thankfully, um, I, I'm not as old as, as Matteo. Um, For so sure. That, that, Always that remember it. that. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a lot of extensive experience. And so then maybe we'll leave it as that. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, a, a very fortunate position, a very privileged position to have seen fintech grow. You know, if you think fintech as a term, you know, it's... I'm not a big fan of the word, uh, you know, it's a, a media term that grew out um, in, in kind of 2010, 2011, 2012, in and around that time as a result of the financial crisis. And having seen the phenomenon, the phenomenon that is fintech and seen how it's grown in Europe and, and parts of the US, Singapore was a little bit later to the game and, you know, it started to really start off in, in 2016, 2017. And I think, you know, when I look at Europe and I look at kind of, um, you know, if you look at what's happened in the US and, and, and Asia, you know, in the US, it's kind of just grown organically. It's just kind of developed opportunistically, which is which is good. Um, in London, they've tried to be quite more careful and planned about things. Um, but what I've seen in Singapore is is a long term plan. And so that started off in 2015 to where we are today. You could still see resemblance of of this five to ten year plan that was in place then still being used today that consistency i think there has to be a desire and a hunger as well from all parts of the ecosystem so it's all well and good government and policymakers and regulators having that desire and hunger but you need to have an alignment with the universities as as, as christophs mentioned really uh, recently um, but universities, um, the different parts of that private sector, I think is really important. So whether it's kind of startups, um, whether it's kind of investors, whether it's kind of corporates and their innovation labs, and then kind of thinking that, you know, what is the focal point? Because for Singapore in particular, it was never going to be a B2C play. It was always going to be a B2B play. Yeah. And so what Singapore's done very well is kind of double down and be very focused and clear about the spaces that they wanted to occupy and, and taking the, the kind of refreshing approach that fintech isn't looking to attack banks here or institutions, but looking to collaborate with. And that's the positioning that Singapore's always taken. I think there are the other element to this is, um, you know, working with what your advantages are as a country and so you know singapore is a, is a tiny country but what it has going for it in terms of its advantage is it's a hub across southeast asia for other industry verticals and so what we've seen over time is that organizations will, will look to move to singapore and they may not have a great deal of business in in singapore but they use it as a beachhead into southeast asia into south asia so india and so that's where, you know, Singapore's done really well is, is kind of been having a focus strategy, a desire and ambition that's kind of long term and, and consistent. And then making sure you have champions across the ecosystem. And, and one small, but I think very important example is um, there was a WhatsApp group and it's, it's a small thing, but it's, it's kind of developed um, over time. Um, there was a WhatsApp group set up in, in 2016 called Fintech Chopal. And what that did is bring policymakers, uh, regulators together with the industry. And so throughout the last, so since 2016, it's the most active WhatsApp group I think I've ever seen in my wow. entire life because every day there is news items that are shared 
and then also dissected from different people's vantage points, whether you're an investor, whether you're a founder, whether you're a policymaker. Um, and then you get a debate and a discussion going. Um, if someone's looking for support, they can also reach out in that group as well. And as it's gone along from 2016 to where it is today, you know, you've got some really senior people. Um, you know, you've got kind of leaders of, of banking institutions from across the whole of Asia in, in this WhatsApp group. You have fintech founders that are based in multiple jurisdictions in the world. And then you also have regulators and policymakers from different jurisdictions as well. And so it's a real good mesh of, of individuals, thoughts, ideas, but also a support and help group. And that, I think, has played a key role where it's supported and championed a number of projects, a number of initiatives, but also it's kind of signifies a movement that started way back in 2016 in Singapore. Yeah, definitely. And and of course, kudos to the ones that are putting these uh, different players all together, because uh, it's it's definitely someone built up that uh, that WhatsApp group and make it flourish. So it's uh, it's definitely... Um, yeah, champions yeah. from all, all over the uh, ecosystem. Very interesting, very interesting, Pat. Thank you for for sharing this. And uh, Christoph, so we have uh, talked about uh, also with Pat about all the uh, policymakers and regulators that we have uh, are gonna see during the during the forum. And building up on my question to Pat, I also want to understand your point of view on on the different elements that make an ecosystem growing, because also Switzerland and Zurich in particular, it's it's quite quite an interesting example of uh, a very focus driven and strategy driven uh, ecosystem. Them. And perhaps you can give us also a, um, a point of view on the on the role of regulators and policymakers in driving innovation. What's your your experience with that? Absolutely, very happy to. And I do think um, Singapore and Switzerland share quite a, um, a, a number of commonalities in this. And for instance, especially the tiny market. So it just doesn't make sense to, or it's much more difficult to uh, to start a B2C company with a Swiss focus um, than this to do a B2B. At the same time, we're coupled with the issue, um, especially on the development side of very, very high salaries. So it's it's a struggle, I would say, as a startup to, to get the people in-house located in Switzerland, the development teams, etc. Um, on the other hand, I think we've been uh, one of the leaders in innovation of the last couple of decades. And that's just the, the, the quality of university graduates that the market has is just astonishing. So the, the innovation is a key factor and the research is a key factor, I believe, to, to us um, can, um, compensating or overcompensating these deficiencies. The other certain advantage we have is we're in the middle of Europe. Um, so while we are not part of the single market um, directly, um, the distance to European countries is very small. So we see very frequently that Swiss companies actually start in the European market, um, although they're based in Switzerland. So that, that obviously makes um, uh, things um, more easy, coupled with us having one of the largest financial centers in the world. So a fintech that gears towards financial institutions has a quite um, has quite a competitive advantage when they're based in Switzerland because they basically can walk down one or two streets in Zurich and Geneva and they capture um, some of the major players in the world. And that's that's absolutely um, key, I would say. Now, what can a policymaker do? And I think policymakers in Switzerland, we, we try to stay as technology neutral um, as we can in everything we do. 
but we also want to ensure that there's legal certainty in what the what the companies do and one example i think which has been hugely successful is uh, the introduction of blockchain law in switzerland um, i think a world first where you just ensured that the companies have uh, the blockchain companies specifically have legal certainty of what a tr what transaction would be um, legally upheld in court what's a security and whatnot and it's quite done on a technology neutral way and that drove innovation in that particular field uh, massively and the other thing i mentioned already before then any work we do on the policy side when introducing new regulation have startups in mind uh, be it when it comes to disclosures to make it um, electronically um, available and um, things like this just is general awareness you don't need to particularly regulate something for startups you need to have startups in mind whenever whatever regulation you're doing Great, yeah, this is quite quite crucial element that many many other countries don't take into account. I have to say. Um, so, guys, we are almost at the at the end of this episode. So, I really have one very last question for for you both. Um, first, uh, to Pat, uh, I know you cannot share too many things, but I have to ask you some names, at least a couple of names or companies that you can share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the the forum will be opened by the federal councillor um, in, in Switzerland and, and the deputy prime minister of Singapore. So, so that's kind of the the opening for for the forum. We are also very fortunate to have uh, Sergio Armati. So, he's probably one of the highest profile CEOs at the moment, and so he will be um, at the forum. We also have the CEO of, of Swiss Re, so uh, Christian will, will, will be there as well. Uh, we have a few kind of leaders from the US as well. So I mentioned already Adrian Harris, um, but we also have Roman Regelman. So he leads um, the Bank of New York Mellon's kind of um, securities and digital assets business. Um, and then there is a, a whole host of regulators from probably every kind of jurisdiction within Europe. So we'll see you know, the Bank of England, the Bank of France, the Bank of Italia, the Bundesbank will be there, as well as kind of their counterparts at senior levels across across Asia. And then we have, a, and there's too many to say here, but a whole raft of kind of founders and, and investors and all of those that are interested within the artificial intelligence space, within digital assets. And then we have uh, some of the leaders that are providing kind of interesting propositions around sustainability as well. So it will kind of be a, a nice melting pot, as, as Christoph mentioned um, earlier in this conversation, of, uh, of, of individuals from across the, the, uh, the ecosystem, but framed around those that are interested in AI, uh, digital assets, uh, sustainability, and that, that's the core piece around uh, yeah, definitely. If you look at the speakers page of your website, it's like quite impressive. So, and I know more, more are coming. So it's uh, definitely quite the place to be, I, I, I would say. Christoph, also a last question to you. Um, as we said, you are the envoy for sustainable finance at the State Secretariat for International Finance. And I would like you to share maybe some initiatives you are currently working on uh, and you're focusing on. 
So I would say that the most um, exciting in initiative we're currently working on is actually uh, going to be on the main stage then at Point Zero Forum <laughs> as well with Mary Shapiro from GFans and uh, from nice. Bloomberg um, joining. And it's this uh, net zero data public utility. So a global platform accessible to all without IP free of charge of all the key climate data needed for corporates and for financial institutions to build their transition plans and for NGOs and um, others to assess whether a transition plan is credible or not and the progress um, along the transition plan that's an absolutely central platform as my boss calls it the, the best invention since uh, sliced bread and <laughs> i think it's really key to get all the key jurisdictions um, such as singapore switzerland france uk us uh, and other european countries um, on board to support this platform we see a huge traction there and to get all the key financial institutions to take part as use of this platform Platform. So expect a big push at the Point Zero Forum, but also looking ahead at um, COP28, so the climate conference in Abu Dhabi and Dubai, um, there we see then the launch of the platform. Great, guys. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. And I really look forward to, to, to meet you at the, uh, at the Point Zero Forum in Zurich. And uh, I also advise all our audience to have a look at the website, uh, look at everything that, that they are preparing for, for us and, uh, and register and register to the event, definitely. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Christoph. And uh, thanks to our audience for having a tune in. Remember to follow Breaking Banks on all uh, streaming platforms and, of course, all our social media platforms as well. I'm Francesca Liberti, and I'll see you next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.